Uh, okay. You know, on paper, this sounds like an episode I'd really like. It's got Cold War, uh, you know, paranoia, and the two sides equaling kind of an idea. It's got diplomacy triumphing in the face of overwhelming odds. It's got uh, working out despite our differences kind of a situation. The kind of things that I tend to enjoy. But, God, watching this episode was painful this time around. Like, I don't even remember disliking this episode as much as I did this time around. I've always disliked certain aspects of the episode, which we'll, we'll build up to. But... I don't remember just being like, oh, the last time I played this, or watched this, watched this episode. Let, 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 let's start with how this episode began. Um, the original idea was that Voyager would be going through some old historical, you know, footage and videos of, of Earth, and they would find Species 8472, the Undyne would be there, and it's like, oh my god, the Undyne, or the Undine, are there. Wait a minute. <laughs> How are the Undine there? And they would find out that, in fact, this is actually the episode The Magics of Magus 2. And, like, none of you are going to get that joke. But the, <laughs> the point is, this is the kind of the idea that's actually been done more than once, not just by fiction in general, but by Star Trek itself. The idea that we've, we've encountered Alien Race B, and they actually had something to do with our own Earth history. The original series did this a few times as well. So, yeah... The uh, Undine were originally going to be the demons from Earth history because um, that idea was then twisted and worked around uh, a lot by uh, Nick Sagan, the gentleman who worked this, and uh, Brennan Braga did some writing work on this one as well. And it shows that they really struggled with this script because this script really struggles. It tries very hard to have significance and it has none. And I think that's probably the biggest reason this, this episode pisses me off because it's like, it's like someone, uh, you know, I'm just going to say this as nice as I can. It's, it's a poser, okay? It's someone who is like, oh, I like insert thing too here. Let me talk about it, but they know nothing about it. Like someone who is trying to pretend they know about, you know, sports or video games or cars or you know, computing or accounting or, or birds or flowers, you know, whatever it is that interests you, but they know nothing about it. So they, they, they just are like, yeah, it's totally, you know, when I was playing that, that football game, I, I hit a home run down to the, down to the second line and I, I, it was a three-point score, which is okay because it didn't hit the rim uh, when, 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 the, when the ball, when the soccer ball was going over the thing. You know, it's, it's like that. It's trying so hard to have significance, and it's floundering. And I'm I, 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 I trying not to be too harsh here, but God! So then, then, after they were hammering the script out from that original idea, then they were like, whoa, wait, 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 let's try something else. Let's make this, whoa! Let's make this lead into this massive battle against Species 8472, which will then uh, culminate in reinforcements coming in for Voyager... And, and then them leaving, and I don't think I have to keep talking to explain why they, that was probably a bad idea and why that was nixed. So then, feel, realizing that they could not have the kind of ending they wanted, and they couldn't, and having a deadline, they came up with the ending of this episode. This is probably the only thing I'm willing to credit the writers because they were on an extreme deadline and had a bad story idea which wasn't working, and they had to shove in a different storyline just like that, and so that's why the storyline feels like it comes out of left uh, field, because it does. If you haven't seen this episode, it's like this. We will destroy the Undine, but we must be careful, and we will destroy the humans, but we must be careful, and let's talk peace. Like, there's no build-up to it at all. There's no thematic significance leading up to it. There's nothing about Janeway 
you know, it, there's nothing. There's nothing there. There's like one thing where there's one line where Janeway's like, why do I keep thinking about approaching this diplomatically? And that's it. That's, that's not a buildup. I know, I know. I'm probably being too harsh on the episode. It just, God. It, let me say one thing in, the, in defense of this episode. The teaser's phenomenal. This teaser hooked me like that. It was an incredible teaser. For those of you who haven't seen it or are not watching this with me, the teaser is Earth, uh, you know, uh, Star, uh, Starfleet Headquarters, San Francisco, Earth. And, you know, here's, here's you getting your assignments, and then it cuts to them being taken pictures by, and it's Chakotay. That's it. Cut to, cut to black. It's the teaser. That had me hooked instantly. It's like, oh my god. Because that just raises like 50 billion questions. How? When? Where? What? And in defense of the episode, the initial buildup of the mystery is actually quite good. The mystery takes uh, a good 10 or so minutes to really uh, to be resolved, at which point the episode just nosedives. But the buildup and the mystery part of the thing are actually really good. It's like you, you just, everything seems just perfectly normal, and then one thing will go off. Or one thing will be weird, and then it'll kind of tilt a little bit in this everything is wrong kind of perspective, and then it'll like jerk back into normalcy. And then you and it was really well done and really well presented, and I like that. My favorite aspect of this is when Chakotay and and Archer, probably no relation to Jonathan Archer, um, are uh, are just chatting up in the bar, and then one of the people in the background just starts his flesh is warping and it gets pulled out, and everyone's like, oh. And then they go back to normal, as if nothing changed. It, it was actually kind of horrifying, if I'm honest, and, and, and encouraged uh, some of the better aspects of psychological horror, that thing, again, where everything's just like one little t- tidbit off, you know? <sighs> so so uh, speaking of things I want to praise about the episode, David Livingston directed this, and it shows. His directing style is very on point. He gets some very good camera angles on a lot of the actors and a lot of the shots uh, contain more oomph than the lines do, if you know what I mean. Now, that's all I have to say that's good about this episode. I mean, I'd like to say it was good to see Booth be back, but you could tell the actor was kind of struggling with the role. It's it's good that they got the same guy. You know what, I'll say that. It's good they got the same guy to play Boothby. That was cool. I like that. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I like that Boothby is still in Star Trek Online. Not the gentleman. A holodeck, hologram recreation of the gentleman, but still... Okay. So, the Undine have a foothold in the Delta Quadrant, a bajillion light years from from the last exit to fluidic space. Okay, that bothers me a lot, um, but, you know, I'm willing to overcome that. I'm willing to overcome that one. And they have such incredibly detailed information about Starfleet headquarters as to be able to recreate the foliage the 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 lounge the the buildings there Boothby the freaking groundskeeper they have that capacity and yet for some strange reason the Undine think that Voyager is the prelude to an invasion and that they have already alerted Starfleet Command and are sending fleets on their way here to defeat the Undine. Now, I get that the point of this episode was rampant paranoia. I do. And I get that it was a rushed script, like I just mentioned. But that's kind of like saying, oh, God, 
Those those uh, those Antarctic people, those Antarctic penguins are just readying their nuclear missiles at any moment. We must be ready. But you can recreate like all of Antarctica perfectly, and you know everything about it, and its ice structure, and its composite, and exactly how many penguins are there. But for some reason, you think they have nukes. You know, you know, you're miss you're missing something kind of large there. And then, and, and there's there's little stuff in this episode too that bothers me. I'm going to skip over all of it except one. And I know Sci-Fi Debris commented on this too, but it's. Just such a. Yeah. At what point in time, Archer mentions Ponfarnite. For those of you not aware, Ponfar is considered such a personal, private thing that Spock. It took Spock severe and considerable effort to even discuss the matter, and that was with Kirk. At a point in time, when Spock and Kirk were literally best friends. We're Nakama, you know. Tuvok, and uh, and and uh, was unwilling to discuss the matter with regards to Ensign Vorak, I believe. Um, even though Ensign Vorak was was doing things that was considered dangerous and and de- detrimental to his health, because the Vulcans don't like talking about that. Which, if you'll forgive me for saying so, makes perfect sense for a species that has tried so hard to basically suppress everything about themselves. The idea of admitting or accepting this Ponfar thing has to be a, a point of cultural shame for the Vulcans, right? That's always gelled with me. That's always made sense to me. So the idea of there being a Ponfar night at a bar for Vulcans is, um... I'll just leave that there. Let's just, let's just move on. And... <laughs> and there's a lot of little things in that, but but let, let, let's go to a big thing. Let's talk about Species 8472. For those of you who have forgotten, this is going to be a short episode, by the way. I actually don't have much to discuss this week. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, for those of you who have forgotten, Species 8472, the Undine's uh, sole cultural thing up until this point in time, has been everything that is not us must die. Pure xenophobic genocidal mania and a, as a species thing. As I discussed back in Scorpion, they're the frickin' Daleks, okay? So the idea that the Daleks could be happy-endinged like they are in this episode is really indicative of the problem of the Undine. And I talked about this back in Scorpion, and and that's going to lead into this discussion here. The Undine were a one-note race whose only purpose was to challenge the Borg. They were not developed with any long-term plan in mind. They were not developed with any kind of culture or society or, or, or depth or complexity to them. Excuse me. They were the dark spawn, except less complicated than that, actually, if you think about it. Right? That's a problem when you want to bring them back for absolutely no reason, I might add. In fact, one of the things I would have loved is if this was, oh, say, the Voth instead. That would have made a lot more sense to me. Especially since making peace with the Voth would make a lot more sense given the... the anti-doctrine message and and just it, it just kind of that, that just kind of fits in my brain a lot better than the frickin undine <laughs> I, i'm sorry i can't even wrap my mind around this and i know i know i'm gonna get comments people who are saying i'm being too harsh and maybe i should just you know and, and are going to try and explain how this could work and that it, there are ways there are ways to make this work we could say that the undine who are invading against the borg were only a certain sect of the undine the ones who were you know the xenophobic bastards they actually did this with the uh the yuzon yuzun vong over on star wars there were you know the first yuzun vong we saw were hideously disgustingly ridiculously evil bastards 
And then we found out later that was one group of the Vong and there's others, right? And that makes sense. I'm with that. I get that. Why don't you show us that? Why don't you tell us that? Why don't you try to develop this species rather than just having these guys be the Undine who have incredible information and yet not, who are willing to kill us at a moment's notice and then not, and are willing to have romantic entanglements with us and then not. Um, it, it, I'm sorry, I'm trying so hard to explain why this is so terrible. There's no build-up whatsoever to this. There's no establishment of the Undine. Why is it that the Borg are the big villains for Voyager? It's not just because they're popular. It's because you can outthink the Borg. It's because there are things you can do storyline-wise with the Borg. It's because the Borg are well-established such that they have things like a culture and an infrastructure, and we have an understanding of how the Borg work. How do the Undine work? The correct answer here is, unless you've played Star Trek Online, we don't know. Now, STO actually went out of its way to flesh out the Undine as a frickin' people and as a race, and that has actually helped flesh them out as a race to the point where I no longer hate them on sight. But it took STO to pull that off. Up until this point in time, every time I see the Undine, I'm just like, get off my screen. And it was like this way when I was watching Scorpion as well. I mean, yeah, okay, you're the big, you're the big hat mallet-wielding villain of the week, but that's all you are. There's nothing there. They're literally a giant hammer that's designed to push a particular plot forward. They didn't build a species. You understand what I mean? I mean, I've accused Star Trek of being the race of hats problem, but this is probably one of the most severe concepts ever. And it's why the Undine have no staying power. Because what they did was they created something stronger than the Borg. And if you remember my discussions about that, the Borg being so stupidly powerful is a problem from a writing perspective. It's a problem you have to solve. We have to do something with the Borg, otherwise they're just going to win and you can't have it so that Voyager just beats them all the time, otherwise the Borg get completely neutered. And that's what Voyager actually does in the future, but we're not there yet, so I'm not going to complain about that yet. But my point is, then you make something even stronger than that, how do you walk around that? Well, from a writing perspective, there really are only three options. Okay, Option one, defeat them and they go home. We saw that at the end of Scorpion. Okay? And Prey was actually a decent follow-up on that because it was just one lone ship that had been out and had been fleeing for weeks or months, however long it had been. So that fit. That was okay. This does not fit at all with that, obviously. So that, that, that option's out. Option two, the episode that we have here happens. We, we make peace with the Undine, even though everything we've established about the Undine indicates that peace is absolutely not possible. And in fact, incredibly seriously deadly. This, I, I want you to think about this from a tactical perspective for a moment. Just Let's leave the writing perspective and go into Janeway's chair. Okay, here's a species that nearly destroyed the Borg and nearly killed us many times and had no problem trying to kill us. And every time we tried to discuss things or reason with them, they said, no, nah, we're just going to shoot you instead. We have discovered that they have near-perfect recreation of Starfleet headquarters in San Francisco, and they are clearly planning to infiltrate our people. Yeah, I, I'm, the idea in that circumstance of disarming in front of that foe, a foe that personifies strength and hates weakness, and that's established multiple times, is probably one of the most severe tactical blunders I have ever seen Janeway make in her career. And by the way, there's quite a few in that list. But... Just, so peace is the option two as a writer. Now, uh, both of those options are what I call the easy options. In other words, you don't really have to do much work. 
to do them. Option three, and it is obvious why option three didn't happen, and I wouldn't even be surprised if Rick Berman was involved in this. I don't know anything about that. I, I have a tendency to hate the man, and I'll freely admit that. And rewatching this show and reanalyzing and re-researching Voyager has made me hate Rick Berman more than I ever thought was possible. And trust me, uh, I think actually next episode we're going to be hating on Rick Berman again. But it wouldn't surprise me if he was involved. But either way, we, option three wasn't possible because they didn't have the time and, and, and effort necessary to do this. They didn't have the backing. Option three is actually develop the race. Show the complexities of the race. Show the layers of the race. Show how they are actually a people rather than, than just, you know, rah, and then use that to break them apart from within to the point where they are no longer the overriding threat. See? See how that could work? But no. No. Give peace a chance. This... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It just bothers the crap out of me. That scene, the climax scene in, in, the, th in the room where they're diplomatizing. Yes, that's a word now. Every time I see that, I just groan. I, I, my heart goes out to the writers. Braga himself is quoted as saying that that was one of the hardest scenes he's written uh, in a long time. And it makes sense, uh, because the point was to have a dramatic climax that involved no combat, right? And that is a harder thing to write, admittedly and freely. But it literally felt like, we're going to destroy you, we're going to destroy you, we're going to destroy you here, take our guns. And then everyone was just like, hey... All we need to do is give peace a chance, and I don't know the tone of that song, and I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I have nothing else to share, except for one thing. Some people uh, have commented on the fact that I haven't done my what I would have done in quite a while. Well, I've kind of already told you what I would have done, but to lay it out there, and to pat out the video a little bit more, what I would have done, I would have gone back and said, okay, I would introduce this situation, you know, the, the same setup, there's this, there's this infiltration camp, you know, the KGB thing, right? And there's this infiltration camp, and there's Undine there, and they're examining with it, and yes, I would make it the Undine, and I, w I would dis be discovered that, you know, as Chakotay infiltrates, there would be discussion about how they can't believe the warrior cast is constantly just trying to beat their drums and everything and blah, blah, blah. And make it a clear yet subtle distinction that these are different from the group of Undine we fought previously. Same organization, by the way. But my, uh, my perspective is these are basically the equivalent of Imperial Intelligence. The guys who clean up the mess for everyone else, right? And so they're here studying on, you know, making this perfect little camp, studying uh, Earth, because it's been insisted, even though they keep constantly telling the leadership that Earth can't possibly resist them and there's no reason to even consider it. But, you know, you know how the leadership is. They're constantly like, oh, we must make sure absolutely that there is no threat. And the implication here is that the intelligence was going through the motions here to show, demonstrate, that Earth and Voyager and Starfleet were not a threat to them. And then Voyager shows up and demonstrates that they're a threat to them. And that causes the escalation. All of a sudden it's like, oh, God. It... <laughs> And, and then they, that's when it boils into the heat, uh, boiling point. That's when it gets to the situation of the, of the Cold War situation where the, uh, the leadership of the Undine at this point are like, oh, God, you know, Voyager has actually managed to found our secret base and they're actually threatening our people. Clearly we were right! You know, clearly we have found this evidence that Starfleet must be destroyed. And, Star and meanwhile, Voyager is, is doing the, oh, God, it's the Undine and, and they're coming after us and they're going to destroy Earth and we must do something. And the, the boiling point and escalation, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have the let's have let's give peace a chance thing. Instead, I would make the uh, instead of Boothby, 
much as I like Boothby, uh, I would make uh, either the Archer character or, or someone else, probably the Archer character, be like the head of intelligence for the area and, and being like, you don't, okay, listen. <laughs> You're not a threat to us. <laughs> like, I would love it, and, and it would, I would, would love it if it involved more Chakotay than Janeway, to be blunt. You know, You're not a threat to us. I know that, you know that. Our leaders don't know that. Your leaders don't know that. In other words, the idea here is that Janeway and the leadership, you know, Boothby, are the two who are pretty much ready to go to war over this Cold War scenario. And the ones under them understand that doing so would be incredibly stupid and foolish and would be self-destructive to both sides. No disarmament here, by the way. Leave Voyager a threat to the Undine with the nanoprobe devices. Make them capable of wounding and hurting and killing lots of Undine. And, being, and, and have there be a backup plan mentioned somewhere there to be able to send off uh, one of those uh, subspace pulse messages, the ones that will just travel forever, basically, so that in a few years, Starfleet will get the message saying, here, here's this stuff, and here's uh, our information on these nanoprobe technology in case the Undine attack, blah, blah, blah. Here's how to detect them, you know. And so they keep that as like a threat, like a, like a nuke, basically. We'll inform Starfleet of how to kill you, and then we'll have a whole fleet of people willing to kill you when, when the Undine are afraid of just this one ship. Now, how do you resolve that? Again, I already mentioned that. The people under the leadership have to, con to coordinate with each other and have to convince their respective leaders that the other side is not something worth dying for because this is mutually assured destruction. The Vo Voyager would kill lots and lots and lots of Undine, but they would inevitably be destroyed as well. Again, mutually assured destruction. I would also, and again, with that probe sent off, it would make sure that, the, that Starfleet would come right back after the Undine. You see how this works out. It, it would be a spin on the, on the nuclear fire uh, possi possibility. And so Chakotay would go to Janeway and have this big scene trying to convince her of, of the mad, of the mutually sort of, of, of how this needs to be resolved. And, and Janeway's like, all right, fine. And so have it be resolved at a truce, but not peace. No peace. Don't disarm. Neither side disarms. That's not how that works. But both side agrees, okay, exchange of information, Okay. Okay. You know, we're we're out here, we're lost, we're trying to do this thing, blah blah blah. Okay, we're out here, you know, our, we're trying to do this thing. Add some depth to the Undine side of things. Just mention it. You don't even have to go into detail. Just mention about how the Undine are, are fighting their own wars, or maybe they're having their own cultural upheaval, or something that's going on in fluidic space that has led them to this particular state of paranoia. That's what I would have done. And this is when you say, God, your ideas are terrible, Arsh, get off my screen. So I will acquiesce and see you next time.